Welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am your host, Meg Durham, wellbeing speaker, educator, and coach. Together, we're going to explore lessons to help us live well. Let the learning begin. Welcome back to the School of Wellbeing podcast. I am so excited to share this conversation with you today. In this episode, I chat with Cass Dunn. Cass is a clinical and coaching psychologist and a mindfulness teacher who shares the art and science of living a meaningful and happy life. Cass is the host of the wildly successful podcast, Crappy to Happy, and the author of the Crappy to Happy books. In this conversation, we discuss what confidence really is and how a lack of confidence can impact our lives, how to cultivate more trust in ourselves and our abilities, how imposter syndrome can present in obvious and subtle ways, how disruptive it can be when we start to step into our power and trust ourselves more, and so much more. When Cass and I get together to chat, we can cover a lot of ground in a very short period of time. So this might be an episode that you listen back a few times. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Cass Dunn. Cass, welcome to the School of Wellbeing podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have this conversation because every time we get together, we have a bit of a plan for our conversation and yet we go in all variety of ways. So that's what I'm looking forward to today, to have a meaningful conversation about topics that inspire both of us. Yes, me too. Look forward to it. We're both highly distractible, I think is what that means. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. And we both love shiny new objects and we love new books and podcasts and all kinds of things. Too many things. We'll try and keep on track, (laughs) try and keep on track and begin with hearing a little bit about your story. How did you get so curious about bringing out the best in others? That's a really good question. And I'm not even sure what the answer is. I guess, selfishly, I probably was interested in bringing out the best in me. And uh, and that led to just a real interest in human psychology, how people work, why people do what they do. Um, and also a bit of critical thinking about what really looks to work and what doesn't or what what people what is supposed to work and what doesn't when it comes to bringing out the best in people and achieving goals and fulfilling your potential so I always had an interest in psychology Um, I'm sure we've talked about my long winding career trajectory in the past but um you know, I, I ended up coming back and doing life coaching when I felt like psychology and my postgraduate training wasn't available to me anymore because I'd left it too long. And so I learned a lot about, you know, I was really in that personal development kind of space and a lot of stuff about smashing your limiting beliefs and, and getting clear on your values and setting, you know, creating smart goals. Um, and I guess I, I found that some of the things I was learning didn't necessarily apply to me, like it wasn't working for me. So I felt a little bit inauthentic in that regard. Um, And then ultimately I did go back to um, my clinical psychology um, training. And so I now have a master's in clinical psychology and a a master's in coaching psychology. And um, I've learned, I learned a different approach and I learned other ways and I learned some of the 
the uh, about some of the deeper issues that can come up for people that get in the way that can't be solved with a five minute write down your limiting beliefs and then write down why they don't why you know what you should think instead that kind of superficial stuff which is often um, dished out in that um, personal development space. Um, so that's that's the long and the short of it. Yeah. So I've just um, I've just always been really interested to to be honest and to understand what really works when it comes to being the best version of yourself so that you can feel, you know, the happiest and live the most meaningful kind of inspired, joyful life that you're capable of. Oh, isn't that beautiful to think about the journey that you've been on and you felt that inauthentic in the sense that, oh, it should be working, but it's actually Mm. not kind of working and then going along to find more skills, more strategies and find that, hey, this is working for me and imagine if I could share this with other people. And I know that on your journey you've got so curious about confidence, like I feel like it's your it's your thing it's my at new the thing. moment. So yeah. what? Yeah, it's your new thing. It's my new <laughs> shiny thing. To make. <laughs> yeah. So who knows what we're going to talk about next time? Yeah. But exactly. this shiny thing at the moment is confidence. And what took your attention to the confidence space? Well, again, you know, it. I was working a lot with women. I work with people generally, but most of my audience is women. Uh, I work with women online in, you know, big online communities. And uh, what I did was I decided to, I was running a membership, like a low price subscription offer where each month I would uh, share ideas and tools and strategies for living a happier, more meaningful life. And often I would dive into a topic, like one topic for a month, which we would really dig into. And um, and I said at the beginning of 2021, in January, I would really love us to talk about this idea of imposter syndrome, what causes it and how you can overcome it. And I had maybe 100 women in my community at that time kind of go, Oh, okay, Cass. Well, if you say so. Uh, but you know that 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 didn't really feel like like nobody was going. Oh, yes, finally, she's talking about this issue which is plaguing me. But when I started to talk about it, and I started talking about what it is and what it looks like and how it impacts your life, everybody said, "Oh my God! Like this is a major issue for me," and I never even realized it. So then I went out to my wider community uh, and said, you know, is this an issue for you? Do you have this experience? And I just had women and men um, messaging me, um, sending me DMs saying, you've just described exactly how I feel. And I never knew there was a name for it. I never knew that's what I that's what was going on for me. Um, and so I really, I basically put aside my membership and I it, I put it on pause back in March and um, put all of my attention into creating a new program um, with the intention of really digging into this issue. And again, like I said, getting to the core of the issue beyond the superficial advice that's out there floating around and really helping people to to understand themselves, understand what the issue is, and to have some ideas of tools and strategies that will actually work um, to help them to to move through it and and live with more self-trust and self-belief and self-confidence. Oh, gosh, there's so much about what you just said that just gets me so excited and really curious. And one of the parts was, 
when you first presented the idea of looking at imposter syndrome and looking at confidence, people are like, mm, yeah. But then once you start to articulate it, like, oh, I never even had a language for that. And I often think about that idea of the fish swimming in the water. You don't, sometimes you don't understand what's happening until someone says it and you think, oh, it's like you're in my head, like I've been caught out. So can we start off with having an understanding around first, what is confidence, a basic understanding of confidence? Yeah, well, I think when I talk about confidence, um, confidence comes from a Latin word that means trust. And I think that's kind of a nice way of describing confidence. It's a trust in that that things in something, you know, like it's a trust that in your own ability, uh, in your own competence, it's a trust that uh, you, if I do something that it will work out or it's a trust that even if something doesn't work out, that I'll be okay. Um, you know, so it's it's that um, sense of um, it's a faith, I guess. You know, um, and I guess it translates to, you know, kind of a sense of self belief um, and a sense of safety that things will work out okay, or that I can tr- believe in mm, myself, sounds- or I can believe in a in a in a the, you know in a positive outcome. So it's almost like it sounds like we've got our own back in the sense that, yeah, I can do this. I trust in myself to step forward. I'm not saying that I'm going to do it perfectly. I'm going to get it right. But I trust that I can handle this. I have faith in myself and my ability. Yeah, and I think that idea that I can have faith, that I can have and that I can trust that even if I fail, that's okay. Like that doesn't say anything about me. That doesn't, that's not the the end of the story for me. You know, so that's where confidence comes from. You know, it's that like, it's not that I have to feel like I'm guaranteed that this is going to work out. And that's what confidence is. It's the confidence that even if it doesn't, that's all right. Like that's, that, that doesn't say anything. That doesn't reflect on my sense of self-worth. And that's so interesting in a world where we look so much to the external and look to outcomes for our self-worth. And so it's almost counterculture to learn to trust ourselves. Yes. And I think that is at the the core of it. That's what I'm trying to instill in people is that that trust in themselves, like getting that sense of uh, self-belief from within unhooking you know from all of the external from other people's opinions from status and outcomes and achievements and uh praise and criticism and you know it's interesting that one because a lot of people are very keen to unhook from criticism and not be uh so rattled by other people's criticism but when you unhook from other people's opinions it means you also unhook from praise it means you are you know like you know, like you kind of got to neutralize that as well. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. we're all pretty so keen like, to hang on to the praise, but we're not necessarily that keen to hang on to the negative feedback. Absolutely. And thinking about all the nuances in between that as we potentially start to trust ourselves more, that may disrupt some relationships mm. that are dependent on you not trusting yourself and not doing what you need to do in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who benefit from our lack of trust in ourselves, our lack of confidence in ourselves, 
you know, to know ourselves and to be guided by what we know to be true for ourselves and our own inherent self-worth. Um, so, yes, cultivating self-confidence and, uh, you know, overcoming all of those self-doubts and fears, it you know, it can disrupt a lot of things in life for the, you know, potentially for positive and negative, but um, but ultimately all positive. Yeah, absolutely. The way that I look at it is kind of like, as we go on this well-being journey, as we build our capacity to understand ourselves, to know ourselves, to act in our own needs and wants and to act on these things, we're inviting more power to ourselves. And I think it's a really incredible thing to have more power in self. And also what we're talking about today is trust in self. Mm -hmm. And the way that a lot of our systems are at the moment, they're probably not designed for the individual to have power and feel like that sense of worth. They're almost designed for the individual to feel like the power's outside. Somebody else has to make the decision. Somebody else has to give me permission, waiting for this tap on the shoulder. Or if I sacrifice now, someone will surely give me an opportunity later. You know, thinking about all those things. So I'd love to know from you and your experience what does it look like in our lives when we don't have this sense of confidence or faith or trust in ourselves? I think you've just touched on a few of those um, the kind of the manifestations of it and, and you know, people-pleasing uh, is one. Overachieving is a big one. You know, the overwork I see a lot. That's one that really resonates when I start talking about, you know, do you find yourself doing X, Y, Z and, you know, overworking, working longer and harder because you think that that's what is required of you. Um, it It is, um, it, oh, it just leads to uh, perfectionism, you know, trying to control every outcome. All, all of that looking outside um, and subjugating our own needs subjugating what's important to us. I mean, I'm thinking of the women that I've spoken to. I interviewed 50 women, more than 50 women actually, when I was first putting together this program because I really wanted to hear from them what their experience, their real lived experience was of this. And most of them talked about never being, not being present, even like if when we talk about the workplace, not, not being present at home with their kids because they're still ruminating about all of the things that they feel like they should have done or could have done differently or uh, at work that day or what they still need to do tomorrow. Um, it's just a, it's a, like to quote Gwen and, uh, Glenn and Doyle, it's a, it's a self-betrayal, you know, like it's a self-abandonment, which just chips away, kind of erodes us in our soul when we know that we're constantly betraying ourselves because we're looking to, for that external approval from somebody. And the visual that's coming to my mind is like a thirst that can't be quenched if we're constantly looking to the external to give us this sense of confidence that if I get enough pats on the back, if I get enough gold stars, then I will be confident. However, it sounds like that's a bit of a myth. Well, the irony is, and the cruel part is, that when people really experience imposter syndrome, they have an inability to internalize their own success. So it actually doesn't matter how successful they are, how much they achieve, how many promotions or pay rises, how many balls they keep in the air successfully, how good their life looks 
on the outside, they don't actually internalize that. So they they feel like they are constantly, um, like they can never relax. It's just that there is never that confidence that that is that they can trust themselves that that's enough. It's it will all be taken away. It's uh it's somebody made a big mistake. Um, I might have fooled them to now, but it's only a matter of time before this all is is somebody realizes that I don't actually have it all together and that their opinion of me is wrong. Um, so that I think you know is that's. That's really sad, you know, like it's like it, you can work and work and work and overwork yourself to burnout, which people do, and still never feel like it's enough or never feel like you're enough because no matter how much you achieve, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't sink in to your bones. Like you don't never own that sense of competence. Oh, and that sounds like, so that's, the, is that the distinction? So when we're feeling like a lack of confidence or a bit of healthy self-doubt, that makes sense in lots of certain situations. And yet when we're talking about imposter syndrome, it's that inability to internalise when you've got the evidence. The evidence is in front of you. You've got promotions, you've done the work, you've got people saying things, and yet you can't take yep. that on. You're always looking over your shoulder that maybe the other shoe may drop. Yeah. That is exactly, that is the distinction. And I think that w- when I say, you know, I looked out to see what was what people were saying or what advice was out there about imposter syndrome, like a lot of the advice that I saw was very sound advice for somebody experiencing very human, very normal self-doubt. You know, we all experience self-doubt when we're doing something for the first time that we haven't done before. We've just got a big promotion. We're in a situation, you know, we don't have the experience to tell us that we um you know, we've got this. And so it's, it's normal to be nervous. You know, you would be not human if you didn't feel a little bit of that self-doubt. You know, that's what keeps us on our toes. Um, and we learn strategies to manage that. And so, you know, people will say, just, you know, fake it till you make it or, um, you know, just look at all the things you've achieved in life and let that, you know, assure, be assured from that, you know, take some assurance from that, that you do have the smarts, you've got the goods, you can do this, you've done things before, you can do it again. That kind of advice it just doesn't work for people who who cannot internalize. Like no matter how successful they become, no matter what they achieve, if you can't internalize that and um, really own that, uh, it's just a the the more successful you become, the worse imposter syndrome actually feels because the more successful you become, the more visible you become, the more the the further you have to fall, the more that you have at stake, you know, it's actually, it becomes more and more terrifying the more successful people become if it is that genuine imposter syndrome. Oh, that just sounds exhausting because the, the stakes are getting higher and higher and higher. And so there's no relief in getting the next step and doing the next thing. And it sounds like whatever you do, you're in this position where it's never enough. Mm. Mm. And so but, but you know, and, and I say that, we can talk about that and go, oh, God, that, that's awful. But as many as 70% of people have experienced this at some point, according to various, you know, s- surveys and things that are out there. And like I said, when I started to mention what this looks like and what this feels like, people were just coming at me from everywhere saying, oh, my God, you've just described me. So then, you know, you wonder why we and women in particular, but not just women, um, are so bloody exhausted and overwhelmed and burnt out 
you know, if this is what's going on. Yeah, because our nervous system is always looking over the shoulder to think mm. what's next, what's mm-hmm. next. It can't settle. It can't go into that rest and digest phase. We're just racing and it sounds like we're racing for our worth. We're racing to have value. We're racing to be needed and wanted. Yeah. It really does boil down to what I found is that it really does come down to um, not a case of what I can, what you can do. Like I, somebody, anybody with imposter syndrome can go, yeah, yeah, I've done this, this. Like they can tell you what they can do. It's a, it's like an identity issue. It's who am I to like, it's a, who am I to have this success? Who am I to hold that position? Who, like what, like who am I? Um, it, you know, it's a, which sort of is a, it's an identity and it's a belonging issue. Like I don't belong there. I don't belong in that job. I don't belong in that position. Um, much more so than, you know, qualifications on a piece of paper or um, knowing what you can do. That's so interesting, Cass, because earlier we were talking about self-trust and self-faith and then you just said that belonging issue. So it sounds like a part of it is feeling like we don't belong to ourselves, like we're not in connection with self because we're so busy looking to the external. Yeah, Yes, and it's so a big, you know, as I said, I put together this program and I, we've sort of run through it once. We've got a little group of people and I am looking to to kick it off again in the new year, um, in February actually. Um, and a big part of the program is that, like developing that connection to self, like getting to know yourself, trust yourself. Who am I? What am I about? What do I value? What are my strengths? You know, not what's on the outside, but what I, do I know of myself on the inside, um, because that's I can hold on to that. Um, I can always come back to that. Yes. Uh, so it's cultivating that deep inner inner sense of strength, that inner sense of self worth that has got nothing to do with anything on the outside. Um, you know, along with lots of other things about managing anxiety and knowing how your brain works and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, really that's what it comes down to. It's interesting, you know, I just wrote a book about relationships and so much of the book was about having a better relationship with yourself before you try and have a relationship with somebody else. And there's a lot of that in this as well. Oh, there's so much in this. There's so much gold because I'm thinking about my own experience. And I think for a long time, my confidence did come from my environment. It came from being very known and very supported and feeling very safe in my environment and feeling needed and wanted and all of those wonderful things. And then when I moved from Melbourne and I moved to Toowoomba and I wasn't known and my environment wasn't predictable, like that was a massive hit to my confidence because what I thought I was a really confident and outgoing person when you go into a different environment, like, oh, maybe I'm not so outgoing and confident. And there's actually a part of me that's really quite introverted and I miss these things. But with that experience was also the beauty of then having the opportunity to get to know myself without all the noise of other people's expectation. And a part of that is completely confronting because we're so used to everybody's opinions or the way that people look at us. 
And then the other part of that was quite beautiful to have some time and space to get to know me. What do I like to do? What do I want to do? And I'm not sure about you, Cass, but I feel more and more people are starting to ask these questions. Mm. Like, yes, this is what I should be doing. Yes, we were told that if you tick all these boxes, you will be happy. And yet I'm not happy. It's not working out for me. And starting to think about what is it that lights me up? What is it that I value? And maybe this um, discomfort, this need to keep pushing and pretending, and I call them all me the P's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all those things, you know, all the P's, is maybe a sign that we are out of alignment. We're trying to be someone that it's just not really us. We're trying to work towards a mirage that's not for us. Mm. And again, I think we all, you know, some of us have got to that point where, and I've been getting there kind of slowly myself, particularly over the last five years or so, um, where you start to realise that, you know, when life can be easy and it's really hard to accept. Again, there's not, there's no, it's really hard to trust that I could do less I could work, like I could stop stressing myself out doing all of these things that I think is what people expect of me. And I can, and in fact, I could do less and I could still be happy, successful, have all that I need, you know, maybe even more successful when I'm putting my energy into the things that actually truly light me up instead of doing all the things that I think that I need to do. Like, you know, there will be many people I'm sure listening to this who know that feeling of just the push, push, pushing, 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 just feeling constantly stretched, um, doing all the things and never having any time to just stop, to rest, to con- to connect back in. Like, And that that's become kind of my mantra, like let it be easy. I can let it be easy. And actually you can live like that and you can make a living like that <laughs> and you can make a life like that permission and permission to enjoy what you enjoy it doesn't all have to be a hard slog Mm. yeah like what how beautiful is that like that is such a beautiful invitation and something that I think a lot about is when we're in this the p's when we're really rushing and doing all the things our expectations are just so out of touch with reality like no one could do all the things that we're thinking and a lot of it is on imaginary time so we have this imaginary time of what we're going to get done in a day like I don't know who's going to get all these things done like a superwoman like Michelle Obama wouldn't be able to get all these done like this is just imaginary time out of touch and something that I've been trying to work on is coming back to I've only got a certain amount of bandwidth every day like I've only got this many gigs and the closer I get to using it, the slower I become, the more disconnected I become, and it's not really worth it. You know, a concrete example I can share with people is about two years ago I, with my hair. Um, genetics is I'm going to have grey hair. If anyone knows my dad, he's had grey hair for like since he was 33. It's white, beautiful. And so I started going grey around 18. Oh, wow. And so... I did, you know, did the dyeing thing. And then I got to the point where I was dyeing my hair every four weeks. So every four weeks at the hairdresser. And I had this moment and I'm, I finally got to the hairdresser. I've got two young children and I'm thinking, 
I'm going to sit here for five hours to address my grey hair and pay a bomb. I don't know if I'm willing to do this anymore. Like I just don't know if I can keep this performance up anymore that I don't have grey hair. Like the reality is I've got grey hair, there's more and more coming, and I choose not to spend time doing that anymore. Like I just don't want to do it. And there are some times where I look at friends who've got beautiful hair, lovely, long, luscious locks and not a grey in sight and I think, gosh, that looks so beautiful. And I don't have the capacity for that. And there's there's so much relief in just that one decision. Mm. I know it sounds a bit funny, but that one decision, I don't have to think about my appointment in four weeks' time and the next four weeks' time and the next four weeks' time. And, yes, it's completely messy as it's growing out and it's all natural now, but it just taught me so much about what you want versus what we can actually do in this precious lifetime that we have and our capacity to meet our needs. Yeah, that's a great example. And again, like you you could have kept on, you could have kept up with that. You could have made that decision that no, like it is that important, but the freedom of choosing not to do that and to come to peace with this is who I am, this is how I am, this is no reflection, like this is no bearing on my self-worth, my intelligence, my kindness, my integrity, like, you know, all of those things that actually matter. And then I've just saved myself this much money and this much time. And I would say also, this is something that I often say just about, I mean, body image generally to women. Everybody's supposedly just wants to be the healthiest they can be. And yes, we should all be healthy. We should all aim to be fit and healthy, but really like how much mental energy is going into thinking about how we look, what size clothes we're wearing, what we need to eat today, what we should be doing with our bodies or what our bodies, do you know, like it's just, it's heartbreaking really. Like that the amount of energy and and thank God for the body positivity movement and there's shifts happening and women are coming out and women in Hollywood aren't dyeing their hair and, you know, women are speaking up about accepting all shapes and sizes. But, you know, I think about how much of my life I've wasted and, <laughs> and how much angst I've been through, you know, trying to diets and just ridiculousness, you know, just that lack of trust, that that lack of confidence that uh, I'm okay, like this is okay, I don't need to look like that, it's fine. Oh, every time, like what's coming to mind for me is we are enough. Mm-hmm. We are enough. But we tell it, we say we it, do but we don't believe be, it. Yeah, we don't believe, yeah, so we say I am enough. And yet, if I just tweak mm. this, if I just did this, and it comes back to this idea of looking to the external for our worth, trusting other people's opinions over our own, and then building this bridge back to self to trust ourselves, to nurture ourselves. And it sounds like to make choices that really sit well with us. Mm. What feels good. I say that to to people in my community all the time, like what feels good and are you willing, can you give yourself permission, can you have the willingness to for today and every day to spend some time 
doing what feels good for you for no other reason than it just feels good for you, you know? And if I hear, now it feels really good for me to clean out my pantry and iron that basket of clothes. No, I'm sorry. You might be conditioned into thinking that that feels good. (laughs) But that's not what we're talking about. Like, let's be really honest here because extricating ourselves, like untangling, you know, what is true for me versus what have I been conditioned to believing about myself or my role or my responsibilities or what makes me a good person? You know, what have I been conditioned into believing for my entire life? It's a slow old process to unravel that and to be able to, don't you think, Meg, like to come back to my truth, like what genuinely feels good for me. Um, it's the it's the, we're fish swimming in the water. We don't even see it. We and and we not even aware half of the time of the stuff that we've just been we're doing because we've just been conditioned into thinking that this is what's required of us for our entire lives. All the other fish are swimming, so we're all just swimming along, and that's why I'm so passionate about sharing these kinds of conversations because I hope that people listening in their own time, in their own privacy, can start to think, hmm, yeah, I've never thought of it like that. We're articulating things that have sort of just been hard to grasp and they're like, oh, that makes a little bit of sense. And I know a word that I say to big-hearted humans that just makes their skin crawl is pleasure. Like what do you do? A pleasure. It's like, oh, pleasure. That yeah, feels like, how can you have pleasure? There's work to do. That's silly. We've got work to do. And to invite this idea of pleasure into our lives. Yeah, I know. I get exactly the same from my audience. Like what, what feels good. At the, don't I don't compute. I've got to get the kids organised. <laughs> I've got to like <laughs> just... No, I can't go there. I can't. I know how to work. I know how to work hard. I know how to sacrifice. I know how to give to others. But when we're talking about my needs and what I need, I don't. I can't go there. Like that's just too hard. That's just too hard to think about my own needs and pleasure and joy. That's just a massive reach. And that's why I love what you bring to the world is because you're inviting people to think about what makes you happy, what brings meaning to your life. How can we cultivate this sense of confidence in a really grounded way? It's not this fake it till you make it bravado. It's about this self-trust and this faith. So for people listening, how can they start to get in contact with this? Because lots of people are thinking, self-trust, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even, like, what the... And like knowing, I don't know what I do. Like, so how do we even start this process? I think what we were just talking about is a really um, is a really great simple way. Like every day, if we could just spend some time, you know, let's just say we carved out fifteen minutes or thirty minutes or something, and said, "What do I need? Like, what do I really? What would really feel good for me right now? And am I willing to to give that to myself? And what I need might be a lie down." I might have to just let everything, like just go and rest. Rest might be what I need. I might need um, to, to, to talk to somebody, connect connect with another human, a friend, you know, somebody that I haven't talked to in a while. I might, like, I might need to go out for a walk by myself, have some time, no kids, 
you know, what might I, what do I really, really need? What would bring me pleasure? What, what would restore me? What would nourish me? And um, can I give myself permission to do that? Um, I just think we are so caught up in doing what needs to be done, what we think needs to be done. There's just many, many people uh, just don't have the space. It's just not a priority to do that, that it starts to just get us back in touch with really thinking about what what could I do? Like, how often do we ever even think that? Like, how often do most people ever just stop to think that? Because there's always something more important that needs to be done. But it does. It starts to just build that sense of connection to our inner selves. Um, and it's an act of self-kindness. It's an act of self-compassion, you know, to to do the things that that we that are good for us. It's instead so of just what's true. good for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And I often say the people that I work with, they can tell you what everybody else in the room needs. And when it comes to themselves, they draw a blank. And then to build up this idea of just, just notice, what is your body whispering to you or what is your body maybe screaming at you to do? And then act on that and see what happens. And I know for a lot of people, the next step, once they've given themselves permission is then they feel guilty. So they they have the rest for 30 seconds and think, oh, I've got to be doing something else. So is that something that you come across with people that you work with, that this natural feeling of, well, now I'm giving myself permission, I feel guilty? Yeah. Everything I do is to be able to observe. I'm so consumed by them, not to believe everything we think, not to react on every feeling, not to assume it because I feel guilty. That must be wrong. Um, so doing a little bit of mindfulness and meditation could be good as well to start to learn to um, be able to recognize those responses as what the, for what they are, which is, again, it's just old conditioning, old condition patterns. And our, we change our brains um, and we change those default responses with practice. So just see it as a work in progress. Don't believe everything you think. And almost when you're feeling guilty, that's a sign that you're on track. You're doing something different. <laughs> yes. Yay! Woohoo! I'm feeling guilty. That means I must be stretching my comfort zone and starting to take care of myself in new ways that I wouldn't normally do. Yeah, so exactly. Take it as a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm on the learning curve. Like this is how it works. So people say to me, oh, Meg, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a book for pleasure and I'm not going to feel guilty. I say, okay, let's be realistic about it. You're going to read a book for pleasure and more likely than not, you're going to feel guilty and keep doing it anyway. It's such good advice, Meg, just for any feeling really, isn't it? Like we're so hijacked by our feelings all the time. You know, like it's like not about getting rid of anxiety. It's about learning to just, oh, well, there's my old friend anxiety and that he, it can come along for the ride, right, but it doesn't drive the bus. Um, same, same with, same with guilt. Oh, okay, there's guilt. All right. Oh. That's okay. Doesn't have to, it doesn't drive the bus. Yeah. <laughs> And the more that I'm aware of these things and the more I'm aware of my own patterns, I start to giggle because every time I do something different, I'm like, oh, here we go again, that I'm not good enough story yeah. or I'm, you know, I'm not smart enough. It's like, oh, that is so predictable. And sometimes I just laugh at myself. I'm like, get a new one. Like, that's so boring. I hear that all the time. I know. I know. I say that. Yes, I know. I do the same. And I tell my clients too, like, just when you see it, just oh there's that old chestnut again <laughs> like it's just <laughs> there it is again 
Old and familiar. <laughs> my yeah. old friend. I'm not smart mm. enough. You have been around my oh, whole life and you're yeah. going to keep just circling back and allowing them, as you say, to come on the ride. They don't have to be the front seat, but they can just come mm. on the ride and it's not about getting rid of them. It's not about getting rid of guilt or self-doubt. Just just keep gently walking forward anyway. Just keep walking towards what lights you up and connecting with self and what you trust and what is meaningful for you and creating mm. a little bit of space because it's really interesting. The work that I do in schools is teachers feel so comfortable talking about the well-being of their students. You know, it's such a space that they will be at PDs when it comes to student well-being. They'll be there. However, when it comes to staff well-being or teacher well-being, it's so uncomfortable. Like the idea to turn the focus onto them, it's like, oh, no, 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 I feel so much more comfortable thinking about students. And what we've learned from the research is that when we look at student well-being as an extension of staff well-being and that it's a dual-purpose process, everybody wins because everybody's Mm. learning. It's not an either-or. We can learn these skills as we're also teaching our students and also as parents as we're teaching our children it almost like you have to tempt people by showing them like it's like with self-care with mothers you know like point out to them that it's good for the kids in order to get them to do it <laughs> yeah. it's not enough that it's good for them you got to say no 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 this is really good for your kids like, oh okay well I'm on board then <laughs> yeah absolutely so when it comes to confidence what do you think it can unlock in us if we go on this path to have more self-trust, to have more faith and to listen to our hearts and minds, what can that unlock for us? Look, I asked this question of all of the the women that I spoke to earlier in 2021 and I said, you know, what, what would it give you? Expecting for people to say, oh, my gosh, I would pursue these goals that I've always had, these dreams that I felt that I wasn't capable, you know, these business ideas or, you know, I'd be, you know, writing the book or I'd be stepping up, going back to uni and doing that course that I've always wanted to do. And there was a lot of that. But fundamentally, what they said to me was I could just be happy. I could just, if I if I didn't have this confidence issue, this imposter syndrome issue, I could just breathe. I could just relax. You know, I could, I would just, it was just like this exhale. Every, almost every one of them gave me some version of I could just breathe. Oh my God. It's as simple as that, as simple as, and as profound as that. Like I could just be, that's it. That's what, that's what people want. So I could tell you, Meg, that all of the things that become available, improved relationships, you know, um, you know, less, less stress, anxiety, overwhelm, depression, substance use, you know, more fulfilling life, more uh, meaningful goals, more positive, you know, direction, all of the things that we want in our lives, but fundamentally just be able to breathe, you know, just be able to relax. Oh, that is so powerful. And the visual mm. visual that I came to my mind, which is probably completely inappropriate, but I was thinking of Babe, a pig in the city, where the <laughs> where the babe rounds up everyone and then at the end, like, that'll do. Like getting to that point where that'll do, that's enough for today. Mm. Permission mm. to stop, permission to rest and permission to be okay. Mm. What a gift. What a gift we can give ourselves and give listeners permission to stop. 
permission yeah. to breathe, to rest in your own nervous system, knowing that you've done enough. Like, what yeah. a gift. Who would have thought that a conversation about confidence would come to that ultimately? <laughs> <laughs> like, who would have thought? And I right? know that we've had. It's not that. Not. Yeah. yeah, it's not about starting the job, it's writing the book. Because as you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, that's just another step on the ladder to hustle, to worthy, to the external, what will people think? And what we've really discovered through this conversation is that is all a bit of a byproduct if we can get in connection with self, if we can find different gears. I had a beautiful conversation with a group today and we're talking about, you know, we've got into this situation where we're just living life at top gear all the time and it is not sustainable and then one of the beautiful people that I work with she said you know what Meg we need to drive manual again we need to do thing we need to pick gears and not always be an automatic at the top we need to be more mindful to gear down and gear up and have more space and this relates beautifully to this conversation because as we're thinking about confidence, we're trying to adjust to what the situation needs and then knowing that at the end of the day, we've done our best. And it comes back to that topic that we both love about that self-compassion that we are human. And mm. my dad always says, you cannot kick 10 every day. Some days you just rock up and that's good enough. And we just keep showing up. And this conversation has really brought together so many themes that I'm curious about in a way that really makes sense. And the picture that keeps coming is our nervous system. What a gift we can give our nervous system if we create more pockets of respite so then we can go again. Yeah. And hence why, you know, when I pulled that program together, that nervous system reset, breath work, you know, just that whole rest and digest, just understanding how our nervous system works and having exercises and tools we can use to calm down um, is a big part of it. You know, might not be what you would expect to see in a program about confidence, but it's a big part of it. Well, it sounds like it's the most crucial part because a lot of the yeah. advice out there is probably like, find another gear, find another gear, you've got to do more, more, more. And what we're probably saying is, Maybe you need to do less. Maybe you need to step yeah. back and appreciate what you offer and the value that you bring every single day. Well, exactly, and that hence why that trust word is so relevant, just so appropriate, like just trust that that's enough. Trust, everybody. We're just going to go into this year thinking about trusting ourselves just a little bit. 1%, 2%, more self-trust and just gently, gently over time building up that integrity with self that we will show up for ourselves mm. when we need to. You know, if, if we're going to go for a walk with a friend, we'll always make it happen. However, a walk for ourselves, oh, maybe not so much, but imagine what it could be like if we can build up our confidence in self. Oh, Cass, you always give me so much to think about. Oh, it's just so wonderful having these conversations with you. And to wrap things up, I would love to hear from you the uh, finish to these four sentences. Are you up for it? Oh, gosh, yes. Put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, well, just trust. Have faith in yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that you know. So I am inspired by. This is a long-winded answer. I am inspired by people who live without shame. And the people who live without shame that I'm inspired by tend to be people who have overcome an addiction. Uh, Glennon Doyle, Dax Shepard, Renee Brown to a degree, but the people who are just so open about who they are, about all their flaws, about all their imperfections, they're so relatable, nothing is off the table with them. I just... I just love those people. Long answer, I told you. Yes, because, you know, thinking about what we've talked about today, we can trust them because they can trust themselves. Yeah, mm. yeah. And they're so okay with who they are and where they're at because they just, that's just how they live. Like they've dropped every mask, dropped every thing that they ever once used to, you know, project an image of who people think that they are. Um, I just love those people. Oh, I just want to be those people. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. We'll just be those people. Um, when life feels hard. When life feels hard, it's usually an indication that I am out of integrity um, and that I need to take a moment. When life feels hard, I just I pause and I stop. And I come back to uh, what am I doing and what do I really need to be doing and, um, you know, reset and get back into alignment. Sounds a bit wanky, but that's what I do. Mm. So important. (laughs) And an underrated skill is? Of mine or just in general? (laughs) However, there's no right or wrong, Cass. (laughs) Trust yourself. (laughs) (laughs) An underrated skill. What do other people say for this one? Remembering people's names. Um, <laughs> an underrated skill. Being a really good conversationalist. I know that from being a podcaster. It is an underrated skill. I so admire now listening to other people, people like you, Meg, who can just carry a conversation, who can keep a track of what you want to ask, the questions you want to ask, but also allow the conversation to go naturally where it wants to go. There you go. Where did did that come from? (laughs) Faith. That came from faith, I think, Cass. Um, There you go. And I am looking forward to. I am moving to my new little beach house, little beach shack in three weeks' time. And by the time this episode goes to air, I will probably already be moved. But right now, I am very much looking forward to moving house and living by the beach. Oh, Cass, thank you so much for being a guest on the School of Wellbeing podcast. What I really admire about you is your playfulness, like your ability to take a concept and know the seriousness of it and yet hold the playfulness of it in that the sense that we're all human, we're all doing the best we can, no one's got it sorted out and we're just here having a crack at the end of the day and doing it the best we can. So thank you so much for showing up as your beautiful self today. Oh, thanks, Meg. I appreciate that and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
what an incredible conversation. I did say that when Cass and I get together, we can chat a lot and cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. Just imagine what your life would be like if you took more action from a place of trust, a place of faith in your ability and what you can do rather than a place of fear, that fear of not being good enough, that doubt, that sense that whatever you do, it's never enough. I am so excited about creating a world where people trust themselves more than they trust what everybody else thinks about them. To learn more about Cass's incredible work in the world, listen to her podcast, Crappy to Happy, read the Crappy to Happy books, follow Cass on Instagram and visit her website, CassDunn.com. Before you go, I would like to invite you to stop and take a moment to think about the two following questions. Number one, from this conversation, what is one thing you want to remember? What is your pearl? And number two, what is one action you can take in the next 24 hours to support your well-being? If the topics we covered during the conversation today resonated with you, you will love my signature well-being program, Energy by Design. Energy by Design is a 10-week program for big-hearted humans that are ready and willing to experience more energy, clarity, and confidence in their lives. If you would love to hear from someone who's done the course, listen to episode five where I chat with big-hearted educator Shannon Tracy about his energy by design experience so you can get a taste of what it's really like to work with me. The next round of energy by design kicks off Monday the 31st of January and I cannot wait to see what we can create together. In order for our young people to thrive, to feel good, to function well, to relate better, they need to be surrounded by adults that have the courage to feel good, function well and relate better. To keep in the loop with everything that I'm up to, subscribe to the well-loved thought of the week. In this weekly email, I share practical ways to live well along with what I am loving, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to and what I would highly recommend. To support the show, please rate and review on iTunes and share with your family, friends and colleagues. This podcast has been created out of my love of learning, my love of conversation and my hope that these conversations make a difference. And in order to make a difference, we need to share the love. So if you just share with one person, that has an incredible ripple effect. All the links from this episode will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to an episode of the School of Wellbeing. This episode was proudly brought to you by Open Mind Education. Open Mind Education is committed to sharing wellbeing education that makes sense. To learn more, visit the website openmindeducation.com. There you can sign up for the free five-step energy guide to help boost your energy so you can better navigate the ups and downs of life. Thank you for listening and I look forward to sharing more lessons in the School of Wellbeing next week.